Welcome to the Grappling We See exactly. Grappling Rewind Podcast. There you go. Welcome to this week on the Grappling Rewind Podcast. This week's show, we're going to do a top 10 or so of uh, 2020 matches in no particular order. This is the big end of the year show that we do every year. Uh, this year has been like no other for a number <laughs> of reasons. Um, we're also going to do a really quick uh, preview of Submission Underground 20 that's happening on the 30th, uh, so the day after the show comes out. As always in the show, I'm your host, Maine. Join my co-host, Zach. It's been a hell of a year, but it's been a hell of a year, Zach. It's been a weird one. Um, as far as news goes, I'm pulled up because I you spent the last hour and a half uh, getting our list and checking it twice, trying to make sure <laughs> if things <laughs> trying to make sure if things belong on this list or not. Yeah. That was a weird sentence. Um, it started out really strong. Two two pieces of news. Uh, Bushesha is going to make his MMA debut against a very <laughs> strong Sengali wrestler. Did you see the the video? They picked a very <laughs> strange video of him and very strange photo oh to show of him. Oh no, the video. There's a video floating around of one of his one fight because this Sengali where wrestler he almost has, gets Kimura and lifts and the guy just up, picks him up like a like a curl, like a nice yep. casual curl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's going to happen. Um, uh, there's a lot of people forecasting Bouchesha to take that one relatively handily, given his groundwork. Yeah. Um, uh, Kyan Duarte has also announced that in the next two years, he's going to make his MMA debut. Yeah. Looking forward to both of those. Luckily, Christmas, it has been a very quiet week. Uh, so that's all I got for news, Zach. Yeah. Let's move into this show. So as always in the Grappling Rewind, every year we do a top 10 of the year, no particular order. So these are going to be 10 matches that we thought were some of the best matches of the year. Now, these aren't just like best match of year. A lot of these have reasons that we're going to go through for why we think they're on the list. Like either the context of the match, the context of the grapplers, um, just various reasons that we'll go through. This is yeah. our list of 2020. And that's been this year, right? Like, I think this year, for a lot of these matches, have been a little bit more based on context. We've had a lot of weird things yeah. going on. There hasn't there, been, haven't been as many matches, and so we don't... There's been a lot of super fights this year, but yeah. as far as, like, we don't have as ma- nearly as many matches on the... Um, yeah, like, from the majors, majors, we really had pans and euros well, to choose from. Well, pans even was this weird pans and yeah. euros. We have, I think, one or two matches from euros. Yeah, euros. That was... were, like, the only other major that we had was a full-fledged major yep so uh like everything in 2020 this list is not going to look like last year's list but we think we have some great we think we have some great matches we definitely have matches some, worth watching there's yeah. plenty of matches worth watching this yeah, year everything and, everything on the list is worth watching stories. for the reasons that we're going to go through we also have some eh, matches of the year <laughs> um they were a bit one-sided we have some prospect matches of the year we have some honorable mentions okay. and we have a couple of guys that we're going to debate on of who had the best uh, 2020, oh. pretty clear for all of us. And then, uh, end of the show, Zach and I are going to do highlight of the year and low light of the year uh, for us. I think you can probably guess what the low light yeah. of the year is. Um, but basically, BJ and <laughs> grappling related highlight and low lights of the year for yeah. us, as we do every year. Uh, I absolutely love the end of the year show, uh, and I'm ready to put 2020 to bed on this one. Zach, where do you want to start for matches of the year in no particular order? I'm going to start with the one that I pushed real hard for to be on this list. Mikey Musumeci versus Muhammad Ali. If you haven't seen this match, go back and watch it. This was Mikey basically announcing that he's going to do Euros and that he was going to go into the Ultra Heavy or Absolute? No, 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 no. You're confusing. This was that that was for pans. And so what he did this year was he went and he did his his own weight bracket and then uh, he did up absolute. He did absolute. That's what it was. And this was okay. in the absolute. And so we, Mikey won his match against Seif, who I is... I forget Seif's last name, but Seif is about Cif, mm, 
450? Magnanimous man. Huge guy, right? And that that could have been on here because it's a really exciting idea where we have this super, super small guy in Mikey, this lightweight. It's literally and, a David versus Goliath match. Yeah. But if you go back and watch the match... It's really not that exciting. There's a lot of Mikey getting crushed on. Yeah. And then... Being able to take it via uh, uh, penalty. Yeah, he, got, he won by a penalty point, which so I'll give it to him. I mean, he didn't get beat. Not and, dude. But weighing like one quarter of his opponent. And he collapsed after the match because right. he had to deal with that guard. And like, it's an impressive my, It is an impressive win. feat. Definitely not a top 10 of the year, though. Not a top 10. Not the most exciting. I actually pushed for Ali's, the Musumeci Ali match, though, because I think that this was actually a good match. And it's crazy. Like, we still have this this David versus Goliath kind of situation going on. Yeah, Ali's all of what? Mm, 260-something. Right, he's an ultra Mikey heavyweight. Mikey made light feather. He made light feather. was 130-ish something. Yeah, close to half. We'll, we'll call it close to half. Pretty much. His size, right? I think and, Ali weighed over, outweighed him by 100 plus pounds. Yeah, sure. Yes. That, that makes a lot of sense. And Mikey plays this uh, really nice spider guard for most of the game. And he there, it's kind of back and forth. Mikey Musumeshi scores some legitimate points. Like, there are real, honest, I scored points. And everyone goes, points on that, in that oh, match. shit. Yeah, Is and he, he was going to beat certain former points? world champion Muhammad right? Ali in the fucking it was D at a major. Crazy fucking competitive. And then and Ali goes... No, <laughs> no, you're, they're not. I'm not going to let you do this to me. And and like I, I don't know. I think when we talked about it, when it happened, Mikey like lost the opportunity to play the spider guard for a little bit, and then mm-hmm. Ali, you know, does what Ali, Ali thinks, does. right? Yes. And Mikey ends up losing the match, but it was incredible that it was so competitive, mm-hmm. and the technique that my that Musmesh was using was unbelievable ali was also impressive in the match like he won the match right mm-hmm. and it was an impressive feat for him to beat mikey considering how well mikey was doing technically and i just i think it was a beautiful match it was a wonderful thing it led to musumeci doing heavyweight he did some pans? division he probably shouldn't have done and yeah, it pans and i think he ran into maidana at the first match yes. on maidana and maidana went yeah i'm not gonna be nice to you like ali was or sif was i'm going to uh, impose my weight yeah. on you, and then very quickly, I think tap Mikey with an arm in Ezekiel. It wasn't super quick, but it was quick. It was quick. It, yeah. it was it was decisive. Yeah, it was a decisive and, win. And, but this is also in the context. So that match, go back and watch that match. That's yeah. one of the matches of the year. This match, this this year is also interesting for Musa Mechi because this is the year that he left Kai Terras. Yep. And that there was all of this rumor he was potentially going to fight Herber Santos or Kainan Duarte. They were going to put up Tang Grant to see that yeah. match happen. And basically, Mike was look, look, I'm going to fight everyone bring it on and I, I thought it was interesting and I think we, we saw in the Maidana I think it was Maidana yeah I think it was Maidana we, we saw in that match okay that's probably how that's going to play out but still I do appreciate that the Roosterweight champion and the, really the Light Feather champion was willing to do that and kind of put his money where his mouth is because before he went up into the weight classes he did not have a single unavenged loss at his black belt yep. career yeah which is crazy so it, it, was, so it was cool to see that in Mikey um, it was cool to see him you know talk mad shit as much as he and Kyle could yeah. and like promote these matches. There was a talk about him versus Keenan. If he had gotten through Ali at Euros, he would have fought Keenan. Yeah. But we ended up seeing Ali versus Keenan, which is also on our match of the year. You see how that segue? That was like there that we was go. the best segue I have <laughs> ever done on the grappling rewind. <laughs> ever. So I guess we're going to Ali Keenan next. Ali have anything else to talk about for Mikey. Uh, maybe we should do another match another different match. What match do you want to do? Know, just ruin it. <laughs> All right. So Ali versus Keenan. Um, so this is the match where we just saw Ke- I mean, Ali have a very, very close match with Mikey Musumeci. And yep. then he runs into uh, the Gee Wizard, Keenan Cornelius. This is Keenan's first Europeans, I think, in like five years. 
yeah. or something like that, it would be the first major that he had done, I think, separated from Atos when yeah, he had his own that's gym. That's for sure. Legion. And he had taken some time off of competing while he was opening Legion. Mm-hmm. And uh, it so was put a, a significant amount yeah, of time. Yeah, a significant amount of time. And and he, I mean, that's but, a lot of work to and do. And he talked about like not training yep. as well. Like, not even taking up, just like not like doing only business stuff yeah. in that time period. And the top guys in the world don't do don't that. Don't do that. And then he's like, look, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go to Europe for the first time in five years. And I was like, oh, shit. Keenan Cornelius in this. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was a, a good match based on all of that. The match itself was. Keenan kind of put on a clinic. Dude, there is a sequence in this match where Keenan yep. wrestles up from the bottom and he has Ollie in a single leg. He's got a lapel guard and, single kind of situation. Yeah. And yeah. Ollie's kind of trying to run out, but kind of trying to counter too. And Keenan's pushing Ollie to the edge of the mat. And Ollie does that wrestler thing yeah. where he does the front like head kick flip. And Keenan keeps the esteem lock, keeps pulling it up, pulls Ollie back into bounds, turns the corner, and then Ollie is able to basically turn the angle and pull out completely. And it was like, what the fuck yeah. sequence did I just see? Oh, I saw two guys that genuinely want to win, yeah. that are playing the rules a little bit, but are both keeping it in bounds. Also, I appreciated the ref let him go to the yellow on all of those yep. takedowns and keep working. And it was just like, okay, yeah, this is what I want to see out of like a, a, a yep. black belt heavyweight gi match. And that was also, there was a, a very decisive sequence for Keenan on there. Once once it did get back down to the mat, I think it was after that exchange, got back down to yeah. the mat and Keenan had, uh, I think... I could be misremembering this. It's been a little while since I really closely watched it. But I think Keenan started on the bottom, hit a sweep with the lapel guard, kept that lapel guard mm-hmm. on top, passed with it, then transitioned to knee ride again with the lapel, and he racked up a boatload of points in the process. So he had mm-hmm. the sweep points, he had the pass points, he had the knee ride points, and I think by like the end of the match, it was 10-2. to two On how for, to use Keenan. the lapel. Yeah, it and was. It was really The it. gripping sequences. And again, Ali is no joke of similar size oh my God, and strength yeah. to Keenan. It was... Unbelievable competitor, Ali is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Former world champion. Yeah. Like, former world champion um, in the gi. So yeah. it, it was a great technical match and i absolutely loved it It was probably one of my favorite gi matches of the year again i tend to lean more nogi just because personally like that's i understand it a little better and yeah. i'm better at it um but i do appreciate when you have a masterful gi performance in a level in the league that i cannot even comprehend yeah such as like taking down the monster that is ali with the magic of lapels like yeah. cornelius can do so it was great yeah great match at euros um fuck we have another euros match on here yeah we have all right, let's move. So moving in after Keenan defeats Ali, he does, <laughs> basically just not, doing the absolute. Not nearly Euros. as good of a segue. Is this weight or absolute? Uh, I think this this been, was weight. This I was think. weight. Yeah, this we was have weight. Keenan Cornelius versus Felipe Andrew. So this match is also on our top ten matches of the yeah. year, mainly for the context of like I think what this did. Or sorry, for some context, a Keenan's first black belt loss by submission in the gi. Yep. Crazy. The yep. technique involved for what Felipe Andrew did to get there in, like, the way that he's able to just lock up and basically not bait Keenan, but the speed in which he is able to throw the triangle on Keenan Cornelius that he ends up kind of finishing a triangle armbar yep. for, and the fact that this was the breakout performance for what basically made everyone go, oh, I want Felipe Andrew on every single super yep. fight card I can because he goes for the finish, he's dangerous everywhere, and he's a dangerous submission hunter, yep. so he's exciting. I think this was the match that made us go from like covering Fupa Andrew in like the majors and occasionally to there was a point oh, where it. he was on every single card. Yep. So I think 
that much of a catapult kind of explains why this match is so important. It's a very technically interesting match, but th- this is one of those context makes the key yeah. for why this is such an important match. And this is something that we've seen from Felipe Andrew since then, too. Not this exact setup, although I think we have seen this ex- pretty much this exact setup. a very similar setup versus him on Hulk, on who's yeah. number one. Oh, no, but sorry, that third he, coast. Yeah, but something that he does really well is that when you're in an open guard situation, whether he's on the top or the bottom, in this case he was on the bottom, he's very good at, at managing and dominating the grips well. And that was something that was technically really nice about this particular match was that that he was able to manage Keenan's grips while Keenan was doing some passing that he does pretty often, this sort of wide open movement type mm-hmm. passing. And uh, he was able to manage the grips well enough that he let he had led it led to Keenan stumbling and he get this gets this triangle and then he did that in multiple matches from that point forward. Mm-hmm. This grip like, domination oh, this in the open guard, pony yeah, he got. But this was the first time that I really noticed it, and then from that point forward, you know, Felipe Andrew is just all about grip domination and open guard, and then he uses that to set up his beautiful straight ankle locks, which we've seen a lot from him in the past mm-hmm. year as well. The straight and, ankle locks, the toe holds, yep. and like that. I don't know this was this was the match personally for me that made me take a much much closer look at Felipe Andrew, his game, his accolades, and kind of go, oh yeah, I need to like, I need to. We need to talk about him more on the show yeah. than we do because he is an extremely noteworthy grappler. And so, like, I think part of why uh, we just lost the computer. Um, part of why, like, some of these things are on the list is because, like, reasons like is the context behind. Like, the match yeah. is really good. The technique behind the match, the like finishing Keenan by submission, which no one had ever done at black belt, yep. crazy. And like, you now appreciate it's like Lachlan Giles in twenty nineteen, like the three giants that he slayed, yeah. like in itself, you know, <clears throat> not that complex of a match, but very, very interesting yeah. technically for what was happening, and then propelling Lachlan Giles in the stage that it was, you know, makes it important. Very similar match for that. Yep. Um so do we have anything else that's Euros? Nothing else Euros, but I think we can follow up with a, our second Felipe Andrew match on here. Okay. Gaudio? Gets to Gaudio. Yeah. Uh, this one's a bitch to find. Yeah. A little bit. So uh, this is a Substars match. Yeah. And uh, if you remember Substars, uh, also of 2020, um, had a very crazy stacked card, bunch of good, really great matches, had like a 36-minute match between yep. Cyborg and Lovato that went to like six or seven different overtimes. Interesting match on its own. Yep. And it had Gordon Ryan versus Tex Johnson, yep. um, which is on another list later in the show. Um, but... This so Patrick, yeah. these two, I, this this match is on there for a bunch of reasons. Patrick Gaudio versus Felipe Andrew. These guys have a really really interesting rivalry spanning back many many years. They've competed against each other a ton. Yep. This match in particular was a little hard to find, but I thought it was very interesting for two reasons. One, Substars had heel hooks in the gi, which and, and in this match in particular, it's really exciting because there's a lot of a very technical leg entanglement play in the mm-hmm. gi, which we don't get to see very often. I, I will openly admit that I'm strongly for heel hooks in the gi. Josh has a win via heel hook in the gi at brown belt. Awesome. Like, in a, in I, a, in a super fight. I, I believe that heel hooks in the gi, are, especially at, I, I like at black I, I belt, train are fine. Um, and I would love to see them more because they make a lot of these 50-50 exchanges and leg entanglement exchanges more interesting and more technical. And that's what it did here. And so there's this really, really awesome series of 50-50, which is not something you hear me say very often. Yeah, you're, like a, you're like an open 50-50. I think hater is the right word. Yeah. Not hater. Yeah, you just, you yeah, just that's don't right. particularly like a good I just 50-50 don't, match. I don't like the like teeter, seesaw butt stuff. Like It's yeah. just kind of... It, 
yeah, it's not technically exciting to me. So I, I don't. But when you mix heel hooks in, now there's some threats. You can't play that game as clean and as safe, and it's it becomes not it becomes not a, a like. I'm going to sit here and try to wedge out some points position and it becomes a I have to fear for my life position. Yeah. And, and it's so one thing does that in the context of this match, yes. the match prior, we had seen Maggie Grindotti versus um, I don't remember. I just had the I just pulled it up. Um, um, well, Maggie got heel hooked yeah, in the gi and everyone went. Oh, they have heel hooks in the gi. Yeah. I forgot about that. Or on the broadcast, like, oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> and so a funny thing happens. Uh, it happens a lot in MMA. You will see something earlier in a card where someone will hit a weird submission. Yeah. And it'll be like very, very famously the Sulebev stretch. Aljamain Sterling hits it in an earlier match. And then Magomed Cheripov hits it. It's a beat Magomed Cheripov hits it, I think, three or four matches later. And it's a submission that had never been hit in the UFC before. I think maybe one time ever. Yeah. First time. And it's hit twice in the same night because the guy goes, oh, I can do that. I remember I that I want to do it. Yeah. And so when you have heel hooks in the gi, it usually takes one match for someone to go, oh, I can do this. And then the subsequent matches, you will see it featured much more yeah. prominently as a technique. And that was on that was on display here because here. this sequence starts out basically with Gaudio entering into a heel hook in the gi. Yep. And then there's some really nice entanglement play that I was we were talking about, and then Gaudio at some point goes for the fifty fifty armbar, which is ballsy. I ballsy. Love, it's one of my ballsy. favorite techniques um, yeah. because it guys. I think as husband Teus, who's really good at it. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of guys that are very very good at it, and it's it's a funny technique in general, but it's very very strong, and I love that it's a way out of the fifty fifty to make people fear for the upper body. And the lower body, but the way that Felipe Andrew counters it is pretty baller. Here. Yeah, he inverts a little bit and goes for the straight ankle lock, which we've seen from him multiple times. Which is dangerous. He does it from that low grip yep. that he uses where he puts his foot in the top side or the underside of, like, not the knee, but almost under your thigh and yep. quad. And he pushes away really aggressively and starts to turn. And Gaudio goes oh, I don't want to do this, and they start fighting the legs and opening the legs, and you get this nice entanglement yep. where both guys are actively like attacking and defending, and you see Felipe Andrew, and one of the things we love about him is he's tenacious when he gets your leg. like He gets onto it, and he's willing to just invert and keep it and just continue to have that grip and roll through all of the series of positions and inside and outside on the, on the ankle lock. Yep. As he's going for His, it. And what's amazing about Felipe Andrews' straight ankle locks in particular, I, I like a lot is that he will switch his foot grips pretty regularly. Like, he'll flip that. He'll, like... He's a really dynamic pummeler with the feet. Yes. Yeah. But he'll maintain the grip on the on the ankle until he starts wedging that into the right place, gets it in a spot where he likes. But he'll main, he'll he'll keep control on the hips really nicely by moving mm-hmm. back and forth as he rolls up and down and back and forth. Yeah, and that's a- on display for mm-hmm. this finish and he does end up finishing the straight ankle lock also two different color geese which i like a ton so you yes. can see a lot more of the yeah. work happening between the legs and the hand grips it's just helpful um yeah definitely i think it's a short I think it's less than a three minute match yeah it's, it's less than three minutes yeah. very short match difficult th- to find but yeah you can if find you it can on find uh, it. ricardo amandola's yeah. um youtube page he yes. has a copy of the match up there um because the, it's hard to find because no one got paid and yes. the company went like out and so even on Box TV, which is where the match was streamed, where I bought the pay-per-view, I can't get it anymore. Yeah. So I'm wondering. I'm like, oh, I actually would like to go back and watch some of these matches. But that's where you can find this match. Uh, shout out to Amendola. That dude has more old school dope matches yeah. and posts them like every week. So yeah. like also that was cool. 2020. He, I think he got like 
did way more of that this year than prior years. Yeah, so you can there find was something in, in that downtime when nothing was mm-hmm. happening. He was posting some old stuff pretty regularly. And still does to this day. Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of ADC stuff there. Yeah. Old, old I specifically school. remember it was so good when there was no live, like no new jujitsu to watch, though, because you could it's go like back. Ricardo, and, which, yeah. which you got for me this yeah, week. And yeah, you always yeah. have like great matches. And so, uh, yeah, that was also like a highlight. We got to watch a bunch of old matches that we hadn't got a chance to look at in a couple of years because usually yeah. we were pretty, we're pretty inundated the past few years with current matches and current stuff happening so this year we had a bunch of shows that we did that were basically recapping historic matches or historic rivalries yeah. or it was it was fun we you know it wasn't fun to edit because <laughs> it was remote and remote editing takes about four hours or five hours longer for me yeah than me everything everything else <laughs> but they were they were a really cool collection of shows and i think we used a bunch of his footage to reference in yeah. talking about some yeah, of those yeah. matches so so that made it really easier cool. to find the matches that we were looking for yeah, you know, way easier. Yeah. So, uh, where do you want to go from here? Uh, we can continue on the Keenan train, or we can go uh, and take a jump over. Uh, I think honestly, we should maybe continue on the Keenan train. Kind yeah, of get get the let's first half <laughs> first half of the year done. Yeah. Uh, other match on the top ten matches of the year was Roberto Jimenez versus Keenan Cornelius on the yep. first on the inaugural. Who's number one? This match was again. This is mostly this is a great match, great match. but also a great <clears throat> match for the context of it. This yeah. is directly after Keenan got subbed by Felipe Andrew. Yeah, this is a gi match at who's number one. This is Roberto Jimenez's first black belt match, uh, sorry, first match as a black belt, yep. and it's on this big stage, the main event of this Flow Grappling inaugural who's number one giant ranking event. Yep. Keenan Cornelius, I think, is the number one or very highly ranked. Roberto Jimenez is coming in. Basically, is an unranked black belt, blue chip brown belt prospect, double gold, yep. all of these majors and all these accolades. We'd covered him for you know a while, just talking about how dynamic he was, what his game looked like, but it was in the gi. Yeah, and Roberto Jimenez comes out looking to make a statement, and he outpoints Keenan by a very narrow margin. Yeah. And it was a very back and forth match. I think the final score was six to four for Jimenez. I something think, along those yeah, lines. Very, like, very close. Which I mean, for a, a match at this caliber, that's relatively high scoring. Oh, yeah. um, so there's a lot of back and forth, and it finishes very exciting where Keenan is sort of jumps to to Roberto's back, and you know. If he had another 30, 45 seconds, who knows? He might have been able to secure the hooks. Like, mm-hmm. there was a chance that he could pull off the win, but it was not enough time, and he ends up losing in, like, these last seconds. Or, well, he doesn't lose in the last seconds, but he can't come back Yeah, he can't pull that, the points right? back yeah. with the ads or any, any of that in the yep. last few seconds. And so you get to watch this guy, Roberto Jimenez, who we've been covering. But always a question happens. Um, this kind of leads to something later in the show. Of when a guy goes from the color belts into black belt like, yeah. what's that transition look like certain guys kind of stumble but more recently than not we have historically, seen historically there's a delay yeah but and we're lately that's not less happening and less as much. of that i think this yeah. was also the year kind of so yeah well, do you have anything we, more to talk about in this match no i mean it was it was a breakout match for for jimenez you know we saw a lot more of him throughout the rest mm-hmm. of the year some ups and downs for him throughout the rest of the year but he was always a strong pick in any of his matches from that point forward he and this won was 10 really, grand at who's number yep. at, uh, sorry at third coast grappling yep. he won one of those tournaments yep one of the kumites a standout for sure, and this was the first match at Black Belt, like showcasing, like, yeah, he can compete at Black in the gi with the best in the world. Um, leading into this, kind of, we'll talk, talk more of the matches here in a minute. Uh, I want to talk about um, this, I think, is the first year that, I want to say, I don't want to say it like this, but belts didn't matter. We saw in it 2020, mattered less. Mattered less. Yeah. more people 
have inner belt matches than ever before. And I think that's actually in Nogi. I think that's partially well, I think that's a couple things. One, in no it is more Nogi that we're seeing that than in the Gi. Yeah. And that's kind of always been the case in Nogi, right? You mm-hmm. always have like even, but even like the biggest com- biggest tournament in Nogi world, right, is is ADCC, and historically you have guys that aren't belted going in and competing right. in ADCC. I mean, they're they're MMA fighters there, and in the very early years they were shoot fighters or or some catch guys that were right. were strong competitors. There's a sumo guy. There's yeah. There's, yeah, there's a right? whole host so, of like, ADCC storied history about guys that are grapplers going into a submission grappling submission wrestling tournament. Yeah, but and the rules are structured in a way that that works for for ADCC, but. But it's always mattered a little bit less in Nogi. Right. And I think this is the first year, though, that I think when we started the grappling ride in 2017, there were a lot of matches where you'd see a black belt fight, a purple belt in like an EVI event. Oh, and yeah. And other than that, it was relatively rare to see like a black. It was a thing of note. Yeah. Whenever it came up, uh, it was always mentioned in commentary. It was always mentioned like in the lead up. It was a big deal. And nowadays, that is commonplace and relatively normal like subversive openly like has these are the belts and like it's not uncommon to have a black belt fight a purple belt in a gi or especially in no gi and it's not uncommon to have that purple belt come out on top yeah it's still definitely you know an exception to the rule but when it happens it's like it's it is not as much of the earth-shattering event that it was and i think 2020 is the first year that that has become way more commonplace yeah in well, like than in prior years we've ever done any sort of professional coverage. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we've talked about this a little bit too. I think a big part of that is the the birth of jujitsu as we know it, right? And when that occurred and 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 the relationship between when that occurs, when kids start doing jujitsu for fun, and when you see those kids become adults that are still doing jujitsu, right? We and had so, more prospect folks they were like kids and juveniles coming to the black and get black belt this year. Yeah. Uh, Nikki Ryan, Grace Gundrum, uh, Jessica Khan, uh, the first person through the AOJ kids program from a kid all the way yeah. to the adult black belt level had a really great match this year. Didn't make the list, um, but on uh, UAJGF AJP with Misa Bastos versus yep. Jessica Khan, where Jessica Khan at the beginning of the match was winning that match against Misa Bastos, who's mm-hmm. dominant. Dominant yeah. fighter. And so, like, it was a really great year. When this later in the year, we have some... Later in the show, we have a couple more matches, like prospect matches that yeah. you should go back and watch. But we had more prospects that were... That are going to black belt this year than I can ever remember yeah. before. Like, there were people of note prior years that, you know, get black belts, big deal. He's been a good brown belt. But this year, you see them more in the mix with the black belts. And I think... And, they're, they're, and this leads actually into another one of the matches on our top ten here. All right, let's go to that match then. Cisneros versus Pan Ams, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, Josh Cisneros. So yeah, that, that's, I think we we're gonna pick a specific match, but I I think the run here is more. Yeah. It's, our, it's our show. We do what we want. <laughs> um, is more exciting than talking about like the match. The finals yeah. match I think was on my list initially. Yeah, uh, it's a little slower than I thought it was. When but we, we also got to mention. We also got to mention in this like it's hard to talk about Pans and Cisneros without mentioning that during the tournament he beat Mayo. You Me- are the meow, meow. Yeah, you know I love you're, how you're so good at this, but like well, I give you a list, of, ahead of, our I give you a list of names. We need to be like a rewind extra show. You're just like here's forty high level black belts. Oh, I twenty get. of them are world champions. Zach, I want you to read these names off. Oh, out of like, forty, I'd get thirty five wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, here's the thing. Here's my sh- excuse. Here's here's my excuse. One, 
Uh, I'm not good at Brazilian names. Uh, that's not really much from an excuse. But two, the real thing is that I watch almost everything on mute. Right. Right. I don't listen to the commentary. I very so rarely listen to the commentary. Life of watching jujitsu. You've been like, yeah, I've watched about four matches not on mute. Yeah. So and so Paul, I'm so reading I've the names. Never heard Paul so Miao's name said out loud until you told me. <laughs> right. And so like I, I and but it, it's not even that. Like I know what the names are most of the time now, but it's hard to get out of that habit that you read the In name over and over again for years. ten years. Yeah. And then you hear someone else tell you the right way. It, I'm still saying it. The and you're wrong also way. hearing me tell you or like other folks on the grappling rewind tell you which we literally have a bumper <laughs> since the inception of the show which is hey if we butchered your name uh please let us know so we cannot do that yeah. uh in the it's been the it's been the outro bumper for at least two and a half years now i'm just like <laughs> hey i'm sorry i messed your name up so you're, yeah. you're in good company zach so cisneros run here this was two yeah. weeks after cisneros got black belt yep two and, weeks later he beats meow uh-huh and again this is a weird it's a weird tournament but you still sure. have a guy like Paula Miao in this tournament. It's it's a less attended tournament, but Paula Miao is still Pan Am's. world champion. Yeah. Paula Miao is there, and Josh Cisneros beats him. Yep. And then his entire run to take the Pan Am's medal in 2020 as a two-month black yeah. belt is just crazy and stellar. And his final match versus Clementino is not necessarily like... It's not like he's supposed to win that either. Dude, the ending sequence of that match. You so you yeah. say what you're going to say here. So I know you got to know this it. one. That's it. But he's losing the match. Yeah, Cisneros is losing the match. Here. Okay, he's not going to win it's not, it. It's not the most exciting match the whole time, right? Like it, it's uh, two points. It's a I technical think. final IBJJF match final, at a right? major when it really matters and, and guys about, play more conservative. Yeah, and it's about seven minutes of of some interesting but not very exciting guard play necessarily where Cisneros gets I think two advantages throughout the guard play Mm -hmm. but he's down two points right and then the last like three minutes start happening Cisneros starts going very aggressive starts working the sweep really hard and ends up getting the sweep with about 45 seconds left so now he's winning a match he's been losing two to two with advantages with the first finals major at black belt (laughs) and then what you're supposed to do here is stall and stall hard. Yes. And Cisneros didn't get the memo <laughs> and keeps fucking trucking. He's going for submission. to submit like Santiago yeah. in the finals of Pants in a match that you went like, down for the majority of the match. And I think he goes for a triangle or armbar and an umaplata and he he's goes, putting himself in a place where he can definitely get past if he like... We're scored on and lose yeah. the match and he just... 45 seconds into that just match. Just goes for he it. He just goes for it. And I was watching it going... Please don't do this. Please John, don't. Please, I was, no, no, I was no, just going no. like, man, <laughs> I, I would never do that. But I love you for it. And that's, yeah. again, that's that, his whole run at pans and then yeah. culminating in that decision making at the end. Of, you know what? Know what? I'm going to go I'm for all it. the marbles and go for it in yeah. the finals match. And it just caps off that kind of like not fairy tale story, but it caps off that run. that great run, yeah. and it's why it makes it on this list. For yep. Just mainly for that last forty five seconds of like, <laughs> what are you doing? Please and then, but he wins, and he wins. He but still that, finishes. The he best doesn't get past. Like, he finishes. It's, it's something that you would never coach people to do, and at the highest levels, you yeah. never see it. Yeah, you just you never don't. see it. a guy's up. He's like, cool. I've got forty five seconds. I can stall any position I want. And Cisneros goes, hell. And nah. at this level, you see guys that are like, cool. I'm up eight minutes left. I can stall that. Yeah, we saw that in that tournament, by the way. <laughs> I think I think seven and a half minutes we saw yeah, that. Yeah, we, we talked did, about we it did. on that show a little bit. Um, um, I don't like stalling, so I remember that vividly. Yeah, but the, the run was beautiful. The finish was awesome. The end of the end of that run was great. And uh, again, he's he got his black belt 
two weeks prior. Yeah. So we've gone through, uh, we've got a couple of matches. I think this is as great a time as any to segue into uh, another great run of 2020. Yeah. Um, there were a couple great ones of 2020. Uh, yeah. We have Grappler, not Grappler of the Year, but like Run of the Year. Yeah. Who but had the best year later. But... Another guy that had a great year um, was Dante Leone in 2020. Yeah. That dude put on a collection. In terms of matches, the level of excitement that were in every single one of the matches, like they. We have a who had the best year segment coming up a little bit yeah. later on. And that that's more of a consideration of like, who did he win? How many matches? That kind of thing. Like the statistical things are what we're going to talk about there. The, the, this, the Emil Award of of most consistent best grappler. Sure. Yeah. That's what we have later. What this is, Dante Leon of 2020 being on this list, is every one of these matches was high level and a fucking banger. Like... Every single one of these matches was exciting. I think there's maybe one where I wouldn't say it was one of the exciting, most exciting matches of the year. One out of his what seven something like matches that, I can't that do was math. yeah, they're just all so kicks off the year versus the rematch with Hanato Canuto on Kasai Pro Seven. I was at that live. I was Matt side. It was crazy. There is a knee bar and heel hook sequence that Leon hits on this yep. that was bonkers. That Emil got three shots Matt side that are crazy good in frame Dante in the air yeah. extended on the knee bar and I was like oh Emil is a good <laughs> is a professional shooter Matt side um, crazy match then immediately goes over the pond to take on Tyra Tolo fresh off of Tyra Tolo's ADCC like coming out yeah. of prospect into like oh you're this crazy kid that's amazing yep. beats Rotolo in a very like a veteran savvy match decisive match then goes on to fight Johnny Tama on fight to win 142 back and forth banger super match super exciting match finishes Tama with a triangle then goes on to fight Gary Tonin in the rematch it's a Gary Tonin yeah. match it's a banger loses that one yep. but from an action point oh so exciting Dante Leon and, and, and Gary Tonin are two of the most exciting grapplers that you can have yeah. and for very different reasons. Like, they are very they stylistically also, very different, they, they, but they're, they're both... They're very, very similar. They can both wrestle. They can both wrestle up and down. Sure. They're both happy to go for the legs, happy to go for the neck, definitely can go for the back. Yeah, but I think Gary plays a more... Uh, I don't, I don't know if I want to say savvy. He's He plays a little bit more of a tricky game where he's going to do yes. what he needs to do. He can do it from anywhere, but he's going to use... Uh, like sort of sleight of hand, I think is a um, maybe a nice really way to say that. it. Yeah. He's going to use sleight of hand to beat you, whereas uh, Dante Leone is going to use his hand to your face to beat you. Yeah, you know he's not. He's not. I mean, he he is tricky. I think everyone at that level of jujitsu is mm-hmm. tricky, but Dante is going to going to he doesn't care as much that you know what's coming whereas gary i feel is is a little more sly that's about a really it. good way to put that yeah Dante, I mean, that's Dante's, what i meant by their, their... dante's gonna look at you and then he's gonna pass you <laughs> yeah gary tonin is gonna go look over there and then, then pass you. Like, pass they're you. both yeah. very functional very like uh-huh. very similar ways they're probably going to pass you but leon is gonna be able it's just gonna look at you and go i'm gonna do this at least that's you. the way that i see it yeah yeah and so that was that was that match then he goes on to fight cody Steele, on who had a great year on his own like yeah. a, a breakout year for cody Steele. cody Steele looked great this got year got black belt this year another, another, black another belt. prospect looked that awesome we covered a bunch that we've covered continually more i think cody Steele. i think he's on one of the prospect lists here that yeah, i have it's uh um, basically fought every ADCC trials yep. guy ever this year yep. um, and beat a bunch of them. Beat a bunch of them. Um, and he's looked match- great doing it. Mm-hmm. This match, he was against Dante Leone, mm-hmm. who was not showing any... Uh, uh, mercy. Yeah, was not showing mercy in this match. And mm-hmm. Dante Leone just 
puts on an excellent performance. But Steel weathers the storm for yeah, the entire yeah, match. Yeah, yeah, he does. But, and you know, it showed again. I like this match because it showed like the like Leon is still kind of part of the new guard a bit younger. I think he's 24, sure, 25. Yeah. Steel is, I think, 23, 24, like very similar, but Leon has been a black belt longer, has a little more depth of experience, but you saw that Steel can contend. And so I love this. It's like, yep. it's the it's the older prospect. The versus, medium guard like, the versus new. the young guard. <laughs> and I think I don't think you can yeah. consider Dante a prospect anymore at no, all. No, not at all. Medalist to ADCC. Yeah, not at all. Like, but it was a really, it was just a fun paced match. Yep. And then he has the match on who's number one, five versus Roberto Jimenez. Um, and he loses that via decision. But again, action packed match. But Jimenez brings it. Leon brings it. And and Jimenez had quite a bit of weight on him for this match, I, I think. think so. Too. Uh, was this the match? Or at no, least he this looked ma- bigger. This was if the I match that Leon was bigger than Jimenez. Oh, was it? Yes, because we, because it was when he previewed it and what everyone thought is that Jimenez was going to come in coming from like 185 yeah. and Leon came, he, Jimenez came in at like 170 something and Leon came in at like 184, 183 <laughs> and everyone was like, what happened? What? This is, that's <laughs> okay. Leon's, I knew there was a weight discrepancy. Yeah, that, I couldn't it, remember it was exactly a funny weight discrepancy yeah. because it was like the reverse of what everyone thought it was going right, to be. Right, right, right. Um, so Dante Leon versus 2020 Just probably had the biggest great collection of like great fun matches if i was only gonna watch one person's matches from 2020 it would be dante leon's yeah just like if there's you want, so like, many good ones action yeah for that dude that dude gave us a year of action so dante leon 2020 for a year <laughs> of action um let's see what other matches do we have another what great match this year was jessica flowers versus mario meliasic yeah um i can't i tried to pull it up and i'm having a, a hell of a time pulling up they fought a couple Hard of times find. and i can't it's on our list. I cannot find the exact match it is. I'm going to try to include it in the show notes after. Yeah. Um, like, about that, it is a great match. Josh was like, you need to include this match. It's a good yeah. match. And I've, I remember covering it on the show. I just can't find the match now because it's pandemic. It's 2020. Yeah. Cap it off with 2020. Um, what other matches do we have? I think we have one more match here. Yep. No, uh, we got two. Barbosa Batista. Uh-huh. From Pan- Pants Finals. That was also Pants. Yeah. Um, I love this match, and this is on this list, because this is an Atos versus Atos match. Yeah. This is a finals match where you have a teammate versus teammate match, and homies go, go at, at it. it. And I love this mostly because it's so rare. We had other divisions at this tournament where people closed out the divisions. Yeah. And that's, fight. that's what's happened all of history in Jiu-Jitsu, mm-hmm. which is people close out matches I forever. I think it's the first, one of the first in recent history, Atos versus Atos matches, and I love this because you see that both guys train with each other a lot. Yeah. And you saw this weird rabbit hole meta of counters to things that hadn't happened yet, that were happening, that were in the process of being huh. countered. And I was like, oh, this is – we are watching two guys that train with each other in the same division day in and day out. And it's such a more dynamic yeah. match. And it was amazing, it was amazing from a technical perspective. It was beautiful to watch. And there's even a, a point in this match, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, where uh, I think Barbosa was going to go for a pass, but he's about to put himself in a position where Batista would actually get DQ'd if he did it. And Batista oh, lets ma- go, right? Or it might be the other way around. Yeah, but, yeah. But there's there some p- weird rules, and then the, yeah. uh, Hoover's commentary did a great job of explaining yeah, they exactly did. what had happened. That I went, oh, I would have no idea about that. And yeah. yeah, that was that was great. It was this match, but it was also like it was also cool because you could see that like they've been in that situation so many times that I, th- I think it was Barbosa let it go and mm-hmm. essentially more or less got 
passed or put himself in a position to get passed because <laughs> it was happening, but he knew he was going to get disqualified if what happened, what was going to happen next actually happened. Yeah. And so it was, it was clearly a situation they've been in a bunch of times, clearly a situation that it like, was just everyone a- knew what was going on. And then there was like, all right, yeah, okay, I got it. It was such a this. cool match. Again, I like, like, it reminded me a lot of like one with Rachel because in the pandemic, that's all I've trained with for a year. And yeah. so it's just us rolling. And you, and you have good training partners. You get used to like, okay, I've trained with this person for four years now. They've watched me develop yeah. my A game and I've watched them develop their counters to my A game. And so when you roll. Yeah, I'm not sure that there's a person on this planet that can defend my side control attacks better than Spencer right now. Yeah. Right. you've trained just, in my basement for the majority of the year now with him. Yes. One person for close to 60 hours. So. Yeah, yeah, and so it's it's cool to it's see that. that at the high level of yep. like, oh, you have all of the answers and the counters before they're even throwing the thing that they're gonna throw that you're gonna counter that they're gonna counter yeah. that you're gonna counter, and you get to watch it play out at the level and in a finals match like that. It was it was a rare treat. Definitely deserves to yep. be on this list. Um, is that the final? Is that oh Gordon Diniz? This is yeah. This this match. is it. This well, it's not. What, yeah. Gordon Ryan gets one match this year. He honestly didn't have a ton of matches this year he because not. a lot of guys don't want to fight him. Or I don't know why. Or honestly, I think it's there's not a lot of fights that people can make for him that are yeah. of any interest. Like I think everyone wants to fight him, but there are very few matches that are he, of any interest for people to like watch him yeah. fight. And it's also it's got to be hard for promoters too because he's got a price tag associated mm-hmm. with him. You have to pay him enough money to do it, mm-hmm. and then you have to ask yourself, okay, is the match that I'm going to be able to set up with him going to be gonna make me money still after i pay him to do it right right and i think that's a that's a big question yeah, he's in a weird he's honestly a weird spot where he seems like he's actually struggling to get matches because a he has a price tag that can garner that he's gonna sell the match he's gonna yeah. promote the match he's gonna probably win the match if there's a pay on the line for winning he's probably gonna get that as well i think yeah. most of his contracts are probably flat no pay to, no no um bonus for win or sub sure, but yeah. Like there's not there's a couple of like three or four matches there's five matches that we want to see Gordon Ryan in now there's four because yeah. we saw Gordon Ryan versus Mateus Tennis yeah the context of this match for me is really what makes it, it was a good match technically it is current ADCC champion at plus eighty eight or yeah. sorry under eighty eight current ADCC champion at under ninety nine against each other in a no time limit super fight yeah that is it's great crazy like that is a matchup that we have i have don't yeah. recall having ever seen made before no, i don't i don't think it has not not in this way at least not in like a super fight yeah type of situation um and it was it was great to see there was a clear size advantage it would have been cool yeah. if you know gordon ryan is this uh this figure in jiu-jitsu right now and he's extremely that is good one way to put it he's he's probably i mean i think most people would say that he is the best jiu-jitsu nogi jiu-jitsu player that we have right now mm-hmm. Definitely um, the best and active. Like you can make an yeah, argument about like sure. Penna and Galvao. Those are the two other guys are, that yeah, everyone's sure. asking about. But Gordon Ryan for just activity against the yeah. other top guys, like he's the best. And he's obviously the most polarizing. Yeah. Uh yeah. That's but so like regardless of what your opinion on that is, is he's he's if he's not the best, he is very close to the best. Yes. And Deniz is is clearly an exceptional jujitsu player. I would have liked to see the weights like switch like if Deniz was the bigger guy yeah. and Gordon Ryan was a smaller guy and Gordon Ryan was the figure that he is and was giving up weight and then you had this match that's the only way that this could have been a cooler scenario yeah but even then and then to finish Deniz I think in under 15 yeah. minutes yeah and I mean it was a, it was a, a competitive match mm-hmm. I think Deniz was largely on the defensive that's sort of how although, Deniz plays for like yeah, look at any match that's what look I was gonna say Craig Jones match with Mateus Deniz the other guy right up there at the weight the silver medalist for ADCC mm-hmm. that had the finals match 
I think they've had three matches at this point, and even Craig Jones just went, I don't want people to have to go through that match again because it's never... <laughs> he goes, because just how they stylistically match up, like yeah. the Niz is going to play much more defensively in Nogi because he can... like he He's the best yeah. at that, at the weight. Like That's how he wins matches, and... That's how you yeah. should win matches if you can win that way yeah. at the highest levels. And so you saw Gordon have to sort of, you know, not be more aggressive, but definitely there's one sequence that I loved in this match where Deniz gets out of a sit-up guard and then he turns all the way around oh, and yeah. he's going to reset the position because typically when someone does this, uh, both grapplers, like, agree <laughs> to reset the position. And Gordon Ryan goes, nah. cool, I'm just going <laughs> to wrestle up here. Yeah. And this does the spin, and Gordon Ryan double-legs him. And I From went, the knees. Oh, that is something we don't see a whole lot. Double-legs him from his knees. Stays Gordon Ryan stays on his knees and just grabs up the legs. Yeah. But again, it was... A, it was a, yeah. What I love about... One of the reasons I love watching Gordon is he will capitalize on the smallest little thing that you did where you got – I don't want to use the word lazy. But when you did something that maybe you could have done a different way or a better way, he will capitalize on and that. And I think this is actually like a talking point in for jujitsu. period. I think that jujitsu has this sort of like be nice to your training partners attitude, which mm-hmm. is good. I think that it builds a sense of community and is is nice for that. But I also think it leads to this scenario where you have a lot of like Both checkmates guys that take they, a break. Yeah, like it's it's instead of like I get a sweep, and a lot of people are not immediately standing up and tackling me back. Right, like. Right. If there's space, if there's too much space there, you should be getting up. If if I break out of your your guard by walking away, you should be sitting up and taking me down. Like I think that there's these moments that happen where there's a pause in the action, and there doesn't need to be. And this right. was Gordon not letting that pause happen. And it happens a lot in jiu-jitsu. People do this at all levels, mm-hmm. everywhere. And it's a thing that you don't see in wrestling. If you see this sort of like kick out in wrestling... If you don't spin around fast enough, I'm going to take you down from the back. Right. Like, I'm going to tackle you from the back and mm-hmm. get you to the mat immediately. And that's, it's just how everything is. People know it's going to be aggressive. In jujitsu, people are nicer about it, but I don't think that they should be. Yeah. And this was exactly that. It was, it was Deniz kind of get it being used to. I mean, different, he, did, he turned a different fast, pace but and yeah. Match, but it, was, it wasn't a huge error. Like, no, it, it wasn't. Was, it was a very small thing that is very common in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And Gordon just goes, nope, nah, not today. And takes <laughs> so it was funny. I don't play that way. <laughs> and then gets on top. And then the ending sequence is beautiful yeah, where Gordon gets over a mount for six a minutes. It was, he think, was mounted for a and while. And eventually gets to the heel hook and yeah. is able to finish a really neat heel hook off of a counter. Yeah, There's a little bit of an hits. inversion in mm-hmm. from there. It was, it really, was really nice. Technically yeah. really, really cool yeah. finish to see what's the match, but the dominate six yeah. minutes. And this is where and the, the end the of this was really actually beautifully sportsmanlike. Gordon kind of gets the heel hook and grabs the control and looks at him and goes, looks at him. Denise looks I at him. have and, to do this? And I think that like, like they both agreed and then the ref just wanted to see the tap. Like, Deniz looked at him and was like, yeah, okay, you got it. And then Gordon was like, yeah, I got it. And then Deniz kind of, like, looked at the ref and was like, oh, yeah, I guess I have to tap. I got to, I got to, to let actually you know finish this. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. It, again, it was I, very gentlemanly. It was a great display of sportsmanship for two yeah. a champion versus champion match that yep. are so rare. It was one of, honestly, a couple of matches that I even was really interested in seeing Gordon in this year. So we got to see yeah. it. Um, it was great. It was a great match. For me, it's definitely, like, on the top of my year um, for matches, just for the context of, I love seeing when we have a super fight that is actually two champions versus each other, and especially the context of the match. It was no time sub only. We're going to see one of the champions 
gets submitted. They are the champions of the highest Nogi organization that exists. Yep. Like, this is a super fight that should be made. And it should be made, if you're going to make it in this context, I'm good at it being made in that context. Yeah. So, it, you know, it was great. I, is that all the matches that we have yep. for... I think we got them all. 2020 of the year. All right, let's go to... Of the year uh, for matches. We have two Gordon Ryan matches uh, that were, you know... Competing Gordon for... Ryan, Gordon Ryan showing why we think he is probably the best in the world yeah. in Nogi. Uh, his match versus Kyle Bain when Kyle Bain was on Mushrooms. Interesting uh, choice on his end. An interesting 2020 choice. Tenth Planet, guys. You know, they're going to do Tenth Planet stuff. It was. Um, and then his match with Tex Johnson at Substars, yeah. which was him passing for 20 minutes yeah. and eventually finishing an arm and that one was top. that one was Gordon Ryan avenging a loss from early on in his I career. I think his first black belt loss. Yeah. I think it was a grappling industry back in like 2014 or 15 or maybe even 16. Yeah. Um, one of those years. Uh, <laughs> and he basically, it was a rematch with Tex Johnson. It showed, and he, he did this to show off his passing DVD. Yeah. He did. Like, he put out a he passing did. DVD, like, the week before this. And was like, I am just going to do this. And he did do that. And then he did that. He passed. But, but again, Tex Johnson is no, like, Tex Johnson can catch oh. anyone in the world. Like, he caught Felipe Pena in a heel hook in yeah. Chris I Pro 7, or Chris I Pro 5, and just yeah. ripped. And, like, He's an Gordon, excellent jiu-jitsu player. Yes. And Gordon just went, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to do this. Yeah. And you can't stop me. And it was just, like, a really impressive display of sort of, what Gordon, the level that Gordon Ryan operates and plays on, that he can take another guy at text that didn't get taken out the first round at ADCC. Yeah, they like made it to the made it to the quarterfinals. Like yeah. a very very good dangerous nogi grappler, and then Gordon Ryan just went, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna DVD you with this pass. So yeah. that was just crazy because, like that's the level that that and that's sort of one of the things I point to when I go, that's how good Gordon Ryan because no one else can do that yeah. to Tex. Like that's Nobody. not a thing that Nobody else could do that. Like Tex will Johnson. invert on you and break your leg in half. Yes. And Gordon was able to keep him there and do that. And so that was that was a, one of the uh, of yeah. the year yeah. kind of display of why we think Gordon Ryan is like display of dominance. The best. He so, didn't have a lot of matches, but those ones yeah, were he didn't. I wonder kind dominant. of include more stuff about him, but I went like, yeah, there's really didn't have yeah. a whole host of he matches. Had one really good match and some dominant performances, but yeah. not a ton of matches this year. It was a it was an interesting year for him coming off again ADCC double gold yeah. at weight and absolute. Um well, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next year as things start to open up again. Very curious. So, uh, you want to go into honorable mention matches, or do you want to go into prospect matches, or going to go to best Let's 2020? Let's do honorable mentions. So, honorable mention... Oh, gee, I'm looking at the wrong section of notes. Uh, honorable mention matches, uh, Kynan versus Cyborg at BJJ yeah. Bat. Um, yeah, so, this I think this will lead into uh, our next bit real well. So... This is really our only honorable mention. The other one is Mikey and C. Oh, because, should I have Cyborg twice on here? Yeah, and we, we, are, we already talked about Mikey versus yeah, C. Yeah, we, we have one honorable mention, right, but it is go. worth honorable mentioning. Uh, Cyborg beat Kynan with a heel hook at BJJ Bet this year. It was a pretty good match overall. It mm-hmm. didn't. We didn't put it on the top 10, but it was a pretty good match overall. But really, it, it deserves an honorable mention because Cyborg beat Kynan with a heel hook. Kynan yeah. was on a tear. Kynan's been on unbeatable force for mm-hmm. the past year and a half he's been un, uh, uh, fantastic in every single one of his matches ADCC champion at yeah plus 99 having to move up from the division that he should be in yeah which is nine which is under 99 which is what gordon's in to okay my i got too many autos guys in my division i guess i have to do plus 99 um i think he got heel hooked at keenan uh the two years before that yeah. at adcc when he was still a brown belt or maybe 
I, I asked Kyan, and I, I'm super embarrassed because when I interviewed Kyan at ADCC, I got how many ADCCs he had been at wrong. <laughs> it still to this day embarrasses me because I knew it. I just got starstruck talking to him in front and then just like bobbled it. And he was like, no, I've been at this many. And I went, oh, oh, what? whoops. Oh, no, I've, I've messed <laughs> this up. Um, um, I'm running on about two hours of sleep. Oh, no, this is going to happen now. Um, yeah. But he'd been on this crazy run. Cyborg had also been on this crazy run yeah. in 2020 that we'll talk about more here in a moment. And But really, I think, yeah. And Cyborg wins. But really, I think the big thing here was that I up until this point, like it, was, it became a joke on the show that when we would predict who was going to win matches, you just never bet against Kynan. Like, you we, never bet against Kynan. You never bet against Cyborg. Yeah. And I learned never bet against Cyborg, and I've never been betting against Cyborg since... IBJJF GP 2019 right. when he beat ever like okay Cyborg will probably beat him and then Cyborg went bro I'm Cyborg Abreu yeah like I'm gonna win and then he did he won because Cypro 7 that we were at and we took out Hulk Barbosa and then we saw him basically the only other match that we wanted to see him in because we've seen the Gordon match twice yeah. already was kind of like okay how does he fare against the young yeah. like not even prospect anymore but the guy that's just put on the tear well also this was uh, midway through 2020 yeah BJJ bet was about no no it was kind of later this was this was, later this was in 2020 at some point. Yeah, yeah this I think was in 2020. This was definitely deep <clears throat> quarantine. I think we yeah. were like, I think it was just like. No, I think it was June, July, July August, maybe. September. That sounds right. Maybe October. It, it was, was still nice point. out. <laughs> Man, we live in Maryland. It's always nice out. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, but yeah, huge win for Cyborg here. I mean, it, he, obviously the veteran, it seems weird to call it a huge win for this unbelievable veteran but the dude turned 40 this week dude. or last week or something like that like that dude was 39 39 years old and on such a tear in, in nogi beat the adcc plus 99 champion by sub in a regulation match yeah just just great. What, what can you say honorable, honorable mention um this leads i think yeah like you said leads very well into who, who had, had the, the best, best 2020 2020 uh Fucking Roberto Cyborg yeah. Abreu had the best 2020. He has my vote by far. We have So we have four names on our list of people to argue with each other about. We had Gordon, who we, we kind of discussed. He had a great year. He had some dominant yeah. performances, but he didn't have that many fights. And and the fights that he had weren't these, like, standout, he, you know, Gordon outside needs, of the Diniz fight. Gordon needs to have a couple of fights, and those fights just didn't happen this yeah. year. And that's kind of the problem with, like, we want to see Gordon versus Galvao versus Pena. Uh, I wanted to see him versus Diniz. Yeah. Versus Kynan. Yeah. Or um, versus... That's pretty much it for me. Uh, there's one other that I'm, I always forget on this list for me that everyone kind of goes, what? And it, but it's, it's meaningful for me. Okay. Um, we saw him versus Tex, which is a rematch, yeah. which is important. But yeah. So Gordon just didn't have the matches that we wanted to see. So it's like, well, he yeah. couldn't have the best 2020. Victor Hugo had an unbelievable year. Um, breakout year, young guy. But I... He had a couple losses. He had a, he a loss had at the no, end he had, there. He had no, no, yeah, he had one, one loss. One loss um, to Eric Muniz at BJJ Stars Four. But yeah. like he ha- he beats uh, Roberto Jimenez, Jimenez. by Andrew, Ronaldo Maidana by choke, Roberto Jimenez by toehold, Max Jimenez by choke, Felipe yeah. Andrew by a steam lock, Jonathan Gracie by Ezekiel choke. He beat Felipe Andrew by triangle choke. He beat Nick Rodriguez by decision. He beat Nick Mergali, Nicholas yep. Mergali by points. Like Victor Hugo had a. Had a awesome year astonishing year and oh just at the end of 2019 had two matches with cyborg one of which he lost and then he avenged in the absolute finals for ibgdf noogie worlds via knee bar yeah like victor hugo also had an absolutely bonkers and astonishing 2020 we were also talking we talked about dante leon we talked about dante he had not as many matches 
and his the people that he was his matches were against weren't necessarily like world champion ADCC champion people. They were all extremely good mm-hmm. jujitsu fighters, but his matches were more exciting than standout awesome. uh, to me. It's mm-hmm. in terms of standout in terms of like a historical importance for that. Yeah. Um, and fewer matches. Kynan's on this list. Kynan had a great year. Couple losses specifically to this last one to a cyborg, but had an unbelievable year himself high-level competition. Beat Rodolfo Vero at the end of the year to kind of cap off the year. Yep. Like a, Again, a champion versus champion, like era, different era match that was great in its own right. You know, it wasn't, again, on the match of the year's list, but it's still true. was an amazing yeah. match to have happen. Yeah. And it was cool. Uh, and then we got Cyborg. Then Cyborg. Cyborg, who had... Let me pull up yeah, his record pull up here. Upside. Let's pull up As my computer freaks out. Here is Cyborg's 2020. Uh, back in September, heel hook win over Kynan Duarte. He beats Lucas Barbosa twice. Uh, it, who's number one by decision. And in the finals of Kasai Pro 7 by points. He draws with Nick Rodriguez in a rematch from ADCC at Kasai Pro 7 early in that tournament. He has a 36-minute match, I think eight or something overtimes, with Lovato. And if you know the context of those two guys, they go back a very, very long time, have competed against each other a ton. Um, He's able to get that done in golden score. He has a match versus Ferreira versus Tractor. Arnaldo Maidana, he takes by points. Roberto Jimenez, he beats in the finals, I think, of third coast grappling for $10,000. Sorry, he submits Felipe Andrew via like a 10-finger modified guillotine choke to win 10 grand at um third coast grappling invitation one of the kumites uh and the win over hulk yeah. like he had a crazy 2020 he got engaged yeah uh, maggie grandotti who is his fiance got her black belt uh, under him under him yeah and it, like dude's killing it like yeah. 2020 it's for a him great year fight for, sport for i think had a ton of breakout stars had yep. a ton of great guys yeah, his... go there wagner hosha looked good this year yep. with Cyber, like cyborg abreu had and the grapplers 2020. This dude had this year, the year he turned 40. 40. That's crazy. I I'm I'm like, 32 age is, and age is just I, a number. Yeah, unless like, you're cyborg and then you're still whew. competing and contending and beating. Amazing. Undefeated in 2020. Amazing. Based yeah. on the record that I have from Topology, yeah. I think that's correct. But Topology is so much. I don't remember him navigate. losing in 2020. I don't remember a lot of things in 2020. Yeah, that's and that's maybe for the, for it's, better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cyborg had a, had an absolutely crazy year. There were so many. Uh, for honestly, for how dog shit the year was overall, we actually did have a collection of really outstanding matches yeah. that did happen and really cool storylines that we were able to like to walk through. And there's so many other matches and prospects. And, like I would love this show, honestly. Yeah, one more. Do what? We gotta do prospects. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I was doing like I was doing like, doing like a heartfelt outro here. Yeah, uh, I felt though, it coming, though, and I had to even stop. Even though we you. don't have like the outro section. <laughs> We just have highlights and lowlights to talk about. And then we got a preview sub, yeah. which is a weird addendum to this episode because Chael was like, one more card this yeah, year. We're I was doing like, it. all right, Chael, you got okay. one more. Um, I was going somewhere I completely lost my train of thought. Prospect matches. Prospect matches, yeah. So we had a bunch of prospects, and I love talking about prospects. And Zach, you always have kind of a special place in your heart for prospects. You, whenever we have a major event, um, will always talk about like the purple belts and the brown belts sure, for what yeah. you're seeing in the technical displays you're seeing at those levels because the Purple and brown belts are what you're going to see at black belt in three to four years, yep. you know, typically. And so those techniques are going to be the new wave. And we saw a ton of n- kind of new wave grapplers come into their own this year and have fantastic matches. And I want to yep. talk about a couple of them, uh, starting off with literally a match that happened a couple weeks ago. 
Andrew Tackett versus Felipe Andrew. Felipe Andrew made the list for matches of the year a couple times this year, but William Tackett also had a crazy year, and this match kind of cements... Capped it off. Caps yeah. his year off in a great way. Finishes uh, via heel hook on Felipe Andrew. Can't wait to see what comes out of Tackett. Dude, brown belt, gonna get black real, real soon here. I imagine. Uh, and he was an ADCC alternate in 2019. Like, just been on a tear, looking better and better, contending. Yep. Finally, headlines on who's number one card. Like, we're going to see a lot more of Tackett, and it's cool to see him cap off the year versus a guy featured so prominently on some of the best matches of 2020. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we also have his buddy, uh, his boy, his training partner, uh, Cody Steele. And then in my notes here, versus like every trials <laughs> winner, um, Cody yeah. Steele over the past year has faced Dante Leone, has faced uh, Alec Balding, a trials winner. Um, he's faced John Combs. Uh, he's faced who else? Hasn't won all of these matches, but has looked yeah. in the mix he's looked, he's with been, everybody in these matches. Yeah. He hasn't had a match this year where, you know, there's matches that exist. We're two minutes in, you're like, yeah, this isn't going to... The oof matches of the year, like, right? Oof, like, like Nikki Ryan versus that wrestler. And it was like, <laughs> mm, and 20 the, seconds of like, oh, I mean, this is a different sport. There's less extreme examples of that, too, where, you know, it's just... This is a dominant match, right? Yeah. Like, he has not had a match where someone has looked dominant against him all year. Mm-hmm. He's looked in the running. He's been contending. He's been offensive, which yeah. is a big thing. Like, he's not he's not had a match where he was on his heels the whole time. He's looked great we against about his all of like these great guys. Yeah. About his match with Edwin Najmi, like, how good yeah. he looked. We like, I love the he dynamism. He won that match, too. Yeah. But, yeah, against Najmi, who's a veteran, mm-hmm. unbelievable player, right? Mm-hmm. And he's been looking better and better as his matches have progressed I'm also the a big fan of, like, the dynamism. Also, I love anyone that, like, their go-to is a suplex. <laughs> I just, I really, I, I have a soft uh-huh. place in my heart for Cody Steele for that technique because every opportunity, he's like, if I get behind even, you a little bit, like... Even sometimes that he doesn't have the opportunity, he's going for it. But I appreciate that. Yeah, and me so, too. Like, yeah, he, but, again, to face, like, four different trials winners, yeah. three or four, I think, I know of three, I think it's the fourth one that I'm forgetting here, in 2020... Is just a display, and like to be contending in all those, and even face Dante Leone, who's an ADCC medalist, like at that yeah. level, was it was really great to see Steele like look in the mix at that level yeah. because I very much think that we'll see him in the running yeah. for ADCC 2022. I think both point. these guys are gonna, yeah, they're gonna be, yeah, it's 2022 now, I guess, but yeah, I think both these guys year. are gonna be in the mix for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, two Grace Gundrum matches I want to talk about. Uh, Grace Gundrum versus Patty Fontes. Immediately after getting black belt, her first black belt match takes on number three or two ranked rooster weight. Patty Fontes beats her via submission. And then immediately a couple of weeks later goes on and has the match that I wanted to see, yep. which is Grace Gundrum versus Misa Bastos. Wasn't able to take that. That was a couple of weeks ago. But, but looked good. I don't know. Got another great prospect. Grace finally getting black belt at 18 through the 10th planet system and being one of the top rooster weights in the world. Right away. And that's just a really cool thing to see. Like, we have a number of young women, Jessica Khan, Chris Gondrum, both getting black belt this year, that are just coming into the black belt and immediately being competitive in that scene. That's really cool. That's historically been one of the smaller divisions for the women. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that we have two new black belt prospects in that division. I cannot wait for her to face Khan and Nogi, and I cannot wait to see the rematch with Bastos yeah. in another year. And this leads into something that we were talking about a little bit earlier. We also have the Cisneros matches, which we kind of talked about a little bit as, as matches of the year yeah, on this prospect, prospect list. Yeah, you know, you're a champion now. Sort of but, repeating, but he's... But still two weeks into Black Belt. Two weeks into like, Black Belt. It's unbelievable. And this kind of leads into something that we were talking about before the show, before we started doing the show today, is that 
Okay, so the way that I look at it, we we jujitsu became a sport that like a forty year old used car salesman will join in probably about two thousand ten. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, it, it Prior was to that, people knew about it in the 90s throughout most of my early career, like starting around two, I started around 2005. When I started in 2005, you didn't you didn't train Brazilian Jiu Jitsu unless you were like deep into martial arts already at some point And then like learned about this weird new martial art and did some Jiu Jitsu and then got into it. Or you were a fighter in some way or you knew yeah. fighters in some way or you wanted to be a fighter in some way, but then decided not to get punched in the head after a little bit and then just kept doing Jiu Jitsu. Right. And so yeah. like. Everything revolved like, around like this sort of obscure early angles. 2010s. That was the thing. That like, was it. You weren't, right? for the most part, doing jujitsu unless you were like wanted to fight martial arts or you did fight. Yeah. And so there wasn't like a hobbyist BJJ as much. And definitely, they definitely everyone can point it, to yeah. someone here and there. Of but course, everyone overall, has a friend that was in that. But like on average, mm-hmm. you didn't do jujitsu unless you were in one of those camps. Most people were in one of those groups of people. I was. I was fighting right. And then I got. Yeah, that's and then I, I got, stopped. I got into MMA, head, right? and then I was like, ah, I don't get hit very well. What's this grappling thing on the ground? <laughs> exactly. I'm very good at that. That's way easier than getting punched a lot. Getting punched um, sucks. Let's do that. So and then here like, we are. Then around 2010 is when you when I started noticing people that just wanted a new hobby starting to trickle in. Right. We, we started getting the guys that like needed something to do. They'd heard about it from a friend of a friend and then decided to start doing jujitsu and stuck with it. Right. It's it's guys and, and even more women at that point started doing it. The people mm-hmm. that weren't even interested in competing, you know, like if you didn't compete before 2010, there was no chance you were getting a blue belt. Yeah. Like I didn't know a single person that wasn't in tournaments every other month that had a blue belt prior to 2010 that i mean I, even I like didn't. in even the mid like in 2013 2014 i can't think of anyone that i knew that was sure. a blue belt that wasn't like a competitor yeah yeah that's fair too right i'm sure they existed but they but then you started seeing people that just wanted to train they wanted to get yeah. better at something they wanted to have a nice hobby they wanted to do things you got like straight hobbyists yeah and when that started happening you also started seeing kids programs getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then when kids' programs get bigger, less kids filter out of those programs. And you have those kids that started at 10, 11, 12. And you have a lot of them. And you have and a lot of and them. And that's the difference. Is like, and you have some of them that are good athletes that chose to do jiu-jitsu over their high school sport athlete, ath- like uh, high school sport. And they were 10 in 2010. They are now 20. Stop banging the table. Sorry. 2020. I'm talking with my hands. They're now 20. Dude, gestulate here. Gestulate up. Right. Um, they're now 20 years old, right? Yeah, they're now, now black belts. Tw- the 12 year olds are 18. They're black belts. They're, these are the people that we're seeing that are young and new and fresh and black belts. They've been doing it since they were kids. There's a reason I said this earlier. There's a reason that 25 year old dudes that start just start learning to wrestle don't make it to the Olympics. There's a reason that kids out of high school that start wrestling when they're 20 don't go to the Olympics. It's because they're competing against people that started when they were eight, four, nine, ten, three, four, yeah, two, right? We're starting to see that turnover in jujitsu, and th- we're this starting to see prospects now. They're like, oh, you did jujitsu as a kid, and you were part of, and not just like we've had people that have done it for years that were like, you know, the champions of yesteryear, but now we're getting an abundance of them. Yep. Now we're getting a batch of people. Oh, you fought other kids at the time that had also, and like, so now we, the overall level has reached like a saturation point where those kids are crazy, crazy good. And now they're adults 
and now I'm in Masters, and I'm very happy to be in Masters. <laughs> Come bring it back to me. Very happy to be 29 and go into Masters divisions. I'm like, oh, awesome, 17 yeah. year old murderer. Yeah, gonna fight old guys that are a little stronger, but also a little slower, and have a day job. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's been, it, it's really cool to see the sport grow and change. And now we have, I mean, we have. I talked about it earlier. We have more prospect prospect black belts this year that we've covered before than any other year. and i think that's just how it's going to be i think this is yeah. it's more this year than any other year i imagine that next year will be more than mm-hmm. this year and then the year after that will be more than the year than next year and it's just going to keep growing because that's the direction sports go and that's what's yep. happening right now and it's, it's nice to see it's good to see it means that the awesome. sport is is Evolving getting to a, and growing is, yeah is getting to a point where this is a thing that we're seeing um it's exciting but it's yeah it's, it's, it's just the beginning it's a cool year it was a cool year for prospects i think next year I'm, I'm very excited to see who we don't who i don't know about this year at this moment right now what is it december 28th 2020 yeah who i don't know about that at the end of the year 2021 when we do this show i'll go oh this guy or this woman yeah. that i had no idea about that's now oh pan champion yeah it's like that's that's cool. You yeah. know, it, it, those are those stories excite me because I love being surprised and jiu-jitsu is a very surprising sport and anyone can get caught and anyone can go on some crazy outstanding run and be the next big star. So it, it's Agreed. it's very very exciting. So, uh, do you have any other kind of any other things you want to talk about as far as matches or grapplers or whatnot before we move into the next segment of the show? No, I think that's it. All right. So, what is oh, you one thing you wanted to do? You wanted to talk about. Oh yeah. So you just at, at the beginning of the show that I don't. We don't ever typically do, and in, in years past, and Zach was like, "Hey, I'm gonna pick what my favorite match of the year is." But like my favorite. Not- I'm not gonna tell you. You're gonna pick yours, and then at the end of the show, after we've gone through all of this, I want I want you to say you're not for. Any, I think it was the best. What yeah, was it's the not match necessarily that the you best. You liked the most this year, and I put my head in my water bottle, and I went. Uh, Zach, I don't want to do that. It makes me scared. <laughs> he goes, no, it's not the best match. It's the match that you liked the most. Yeah. So, I don't know what your match is. So now, what is your match? Mikey Ali. That is... Why, yeah. So why, why, why is that yeah, your favorite I love favorite it because... Match? So I love it for two reasons. Because it does two things that are exact opposites in the same at the same time. One, it shows how how effective jiu-jitsu can actually be when you have these size discrepancies. You know, people have talked about it for years, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu is the way to beat a bigger guy, right? And I, as a bigger guy, have always said, well, that's fucking bullshit, right? <laughs> but this showed that it, you know, it can be, right? As a guy, I've gone, that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> right? And I think we all know it's a little bit bullshit, right? Yeah. But this match is that, right? It's it's uh, it's not a, a smaller guy winning. It's a smaller guy using jiu-jitsu unbelievably effectively against the toppest top talent that you can possibly have mm-hmm. at a high weight. Right. And so it's this beautiful display of jujitsu doing what people want it to do. It's jujitsu being the smaller guy handling the bigger guy. It's also a demonstration that that doesn't always work. Right? The big guy goes, I'm actually going to, I'm going to be the big guy here and not let this happen. But it's me. also when the big guy is that skilled at a certain point that breaks down. Right. And so this is two sides of the same coin here. We have this this un, this great display of jujitsu being the small guy. Right. Helio was a sickly little boy that never could walk no, and, he and he an invented Olympic, leverage. He was an Olympic swimmer. Everyone kind of yeah. glosses over that. Like, he was, no, 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 you're wrong. Him on the beach, jacked with Henry, not Henry, with Horian. And he um, was in an iron lung. <laughs> 
Yo, and he invented leverage to win. Everyone forgets like the pictures that we see of him when he was like ninety, not yeah. when he's in the sixties and seventies and ripped. No, to I, the I gills. love the I love the like flying double leg kick picture of Helio. But everyone, anyways, it's like he's so sickly. I'm like he but, doesn't look that sickly. <laughs> he was not sickly um, at all. <laughs> <laughs> You've been told wrong. He was a, but, he was right, a jacked story. athlete from the 50s. Yeah, that's the story, though. Like, that's the story we want to tell, is that story. it was invented by this sickly man that had to use leverage to beat his much stronger older brothers, right? And as much as garbage as that story is, like, it's nice. Yeah. And here we see a smaller guy using jujitsu effectively to fend off a bigger guy. And if this was on the, the street where jujitsu doesn't work anyways, we would have a situation where that smaller guy is able to fend off a bigger guy long enough for someone hopefully to show up and break things up also in the end big and skill wins which is what we expect in jujitsu now because it's a sport where bodies matter and big strong guys have an advantage and we see that come into play when people are nearly matched in skill big strong guy often wins and we we know that that's the case and we see it here as well and i just like that this match does both of those things i also love it because we never and i've honestly you've made me appreciate this match even more like <laughs> we all appreciate the balls on mikey musa oh, yeah. here because he was like because he gets to show he now is forever the guy i get to point to which is like look that's the best guy double in a row world champion two different weight classes no. yeah when he went up uh he got be so like you're gonna you you end so when my buddy who's 135 pounds goes i'm gonna do absolute i'm like you shouldn't do that why because couldn't do it mikey musumechi who's far better than any of us will ever be in this land yeah couldn't do it you're probably gonna get smashed by that super heavyweight it's gonna eat a burger before the match buddy Mm -hmm. you should do it i fully support you i will coach you from the sidelines and i will get you the ice after (laughs) but mikey musumechi already crossed this bridge for us we don't need to cross it again so as a, my... as a small, small man that competes at light feather, thank you, Michael Musumeci, for your sacrifice. <laughs> so that's your match. That's now you your... don't need to test it. That is, I don't need to test it. I don't do. I don't do open weight for a reason because I'm a small, small man. If I'm five seven, if I'm lying, <laughs> I don't need to test it. So that's your match of the year. That's my match. That's my favorite match of the my, year. My personal yours? favorite match of the year. It was Gordon versus Denis. Just for yeah. I'm a big context guy. I I love that you have two. Again, we talked. I talked about it in the segment mostly, but. You have a champion, 80cc open weight, and plus an under 99 kilogram champion versus the under 88 kilogram champion. Champion versus champion. It, it, it gets thrown around a lot in a lot of other sports, but in jiu-jitsu, like, those are the two yeah. highest honors. You, people work their entire life to not qualify at the trials. <laughs> and these are the two champions of that sport, and if they've showed routinely that they can be and compete at that level, we get to throw them together and have this great match where they're both in their athletic prime, yeah, the context of the match is a little weird, marred by being 2020 in general, and like Deniz maybe wasn't training as much, maybe he's a little smaller, but we get to see it happen. Yeah. And the true super fights where both guys are defending and active champions are so rare. The fact that we got to see it in 2020, you know, was such a special moment to me of yeah. like, cool, we got to actually see ADCC champion versus ADCC champion. Yeah, it's not absolute and open, but it was still plus 88, plus 99. It's so rare. I love I love seeing that when they're one weight class apart, and it's such a meaningful thing for me as someone who loves like actual super fights. Like that is an actual super fight champion versus champion. It's it's awesome. That's why the ADCC super fight is such a big deal because it's cool. The previous open winner goes and fights 
the last open winner. Yeah. It's like here's their, it's super it it's very meaningful. The same thing we have champion versus champion. So that is my personal match of the year just because of how important that is and how rare that we we don't see that very often. You know, people Sorry. will usually win the open weight and they'll go, Cool, peace. Yeah. And then we'll see them recover a couple of years. Um but to have, you know, the Niz step up and go, Yeah, I'm gonna fight the bigger guy in the thing he wants to do with all of the stakes as the champion you know, it, it's something it's special to me. It's it's awesome. Yeah. So that was my match of the year. Um, you've really pushed me towards uh, Jimenez versus Ali, just because I want to point to that match when people ask, "Why don't you open weight?" Why? Because Ali, because because he's better than me and he can't do it. So Mikey, you mean Mikey? Yeah, Mikey. Yeah, yeah, Mikey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you? Ali doesn't do open weight. <laughs> so all right. So uh, any other matches that you want to cover? Nope. All right. So Zach, we hit him. End of the segment here. End of the sh- end of the show. Before we get into the, the preview section of the show, uh, what is your highlight of the year and what is your low light of the year? Well, I think low light's easy. It's just the year. Yeah, I think I, I think, think that's for think all that's of us. For like, the graphic grind low light of the year, twenty twenty, is just, just like what happened. It. It's like just the year being like not being able to Specifically train, March jitsu, through. events being canceled, doing remote shows, yeah. all the editing I have to do, just like guys getting sick, people dying, just like these extra twenty pounds. Bro, I am in shape as I was, and I'm yeah, running, I'm and I'm in great shape now. I am not. Also, my back's better this year, so that's a pretty. I'm pretty yeah, excited good. about that. Uh, it's not better, but I'm in like, like way less pain. So I'll take that. But yeah, 2020. Yeah. I'm not gonna cut you off, but like, yo, pretty low. Low light of the year is the year. I've, others have had lower. I'm fortunate. I feel happy that I, my my low wasn't as low as some other people's yeah. overall. I think, but still. This year sucks. Could have been better. Again, the the sheer amount of events that we had canceled in 2020, the sheer amount of jujitsu yeah. that we didn't get to do, the sheer amount of traveling and event coverage and interviews and yeah. just like cool stuff that we didn't get to do. And I'm very happy and thankful that we got to do the show from the basement for the year. Like the sh- we didn't, the show was able to maintain. Promoters were able to continue to run events, and yeah. like it was able to keep running enough. But all of the stuff that we could have done, we were se- and I was we were setting up to do leading into 2020. Out the it's window. just super disappointing that yeah. we didn't get none of that get to come to fruition in the way that we wanted it to. So yeah. fuck that. That sucked. I'm disappointed. My highlight of the year is the exact- not surprisingly before March. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, in the before times. In Zach. the before times, as I call them. <laughs> so. Uh, Baltimore BJJ had this event. So there's a, a really wonderful pro- nonprofit in Baltimore uh, called Guardian, and they it's a jujitsu nonprofit. They essentially, uh, to my understanding, provide jujitsu to kids more or less for free, mm-hmm. and then yep. adults pay, right? Mm-hmm. And so we were doing some fundraisers and it's, for. It's the, it's the typically uh, folks in underserviced communities. Yeah, of yeah. It's not just Baltimore has uh, an abundance of those communities. Yep. And so it's a, it's a good cause. And uh, the Baltimore BJJ community put on a fundraiser for them. And we held it at at our, our Baltimore BJJ mat space. And essentially just invited anyone in the Baltimore community to come make a donation and roll. And it was the highlight of my jujitsu year. Because what ended up happening was we had black belts from all over the city. And, you know, I just I moved to this city, I guess, a little over two years ago now. But yeah. I was in Philly for six, seven years, six years before that. And so all the people that I know, the black belts that I would hang out with and, and roll with were in Philly. And uh, so I didn't know a lot of people here. I haven't rolled with a lot of the black belts here. And it was one event where everyone, not everyone, but a lot of the Baltimore. Mo- a huge section of the community. And people yeah. that were active in the community. And all from up. all over, from very different schools that often competed with each other at 
local events and things like that. And people kind of just threw that out the window, showed up, rolled around. You know, I think I got rolls with 15, 16 different black belts on that day. And then countless brown belts, purple belts. I had more rolls that day than I had since, you know, maybe I was 26. (laughs) But it was good. It was, you know, it was the kind of thing where you were just like, I, I need to stay an extra round because there's that guy over there that I've never seen before. And I want to get a roll in with him because it seems fun. And there was not, it wasn't like a high stress situation where, you know, in competition you're worried about actually winning. Nobody, I think people didn't really care that much about winning. People were just kind of playing around and, and doing fun techniques and, and getting good matches in with someone that you didn't know. Showed the community was like, cool. Yeah. Hey, like here's this local community, like all these fighters, all these gyms, all these like different organizations all coming together. Go, Hey, there's a, cool organization that supports jiu-jitsu in a community that potentially needs jiu-jitsu let's all come together and show like the community is a really yeah. cool and welcoming and open community and that's awesome and, and everyone then, was super cool with each other while there yeah you know it was great and uh, of course uh, when we were leaving we were like this was awesome let's do this again you know we'll do it in six months and then wrong then the corona happened but yeah yeah, it's not going away. I think I think we can get we can go back to that. Um, yeah, you should have definitely can. gone second because uh, mine is way shittier than yours. <laughs> like your well, I mean, that was your call. Your, your you asked me this like maze. I didn't think it was be so good. <laughs> I didn't think it was be like a, like a great like touching moment for the community. <laughs> Mine's like, oh yeah, I feel good enough that I can compete again. Like, and I signed up to compete. I mean, that's like, something. You had a broken back. Yeah, it's not. I'm back in PT again but other reasons. Yeah. But that's but it's but I feel healthy enough, and I'm in a minimal enough pain now. After like 2018, I mean that's a highlight. It is a highlight, but that's, a highlight. that's my highlight. My highlight of the year is like I am. I feel well enough. It's to, a little more selfish than my very community driven. Yeah, hopeful. that's why I wanted to go. I wanted you to go second after I realized now. Um, but it was cool, and I was in the middle of cutting weight in April to compete at 145, and then Corona happened. That didn't happen, so I didn't get to compete at all this year, which is yeah. like the only thing I wanted to do. But the fact that I can. As soon as this all goes over, as soon as we've you know vaccinated, it's, it's safe to do so, and I'm comfortable doing so. I don't have a physical barrier to me going competing anymore because I'm yeah, now healthy enough. That's huge for me. Yeah. Given like we do this show in a huge way because I love competition jujitsu. I love being part of it. I love covering it. I love watching it. I love that piece of the community aspect. My ability to be able to go back into that and get smashed <laughs> by guys that are far better than me on the world stage when they decide to go to a local comp is exciting for me. And I love the ability to kind of see how I match up against those. And so that's my height of the year of my ability to kind of be able to do that and walk back into that. Yeah. So that's that is definitely my highlight over the year. Cool. It's like cool. I can like I can go fight and compete again. That's a highlight. Yeah. All right. So that uh, any more kind of like amazingly, you know, touching topic that you can say. <laughs> you know, no, no, that's I it. Like, I got to that's my one touching moment for the that. year. Um, so let's move on to our preview of Submission Underground 20. Zach, I need you to fill here for a second because I actually didn't pull the card Phil, up. That's a tall order. Yeah. Like, what, what do you, I don't know. What like, I just gave my community-driven you, you, you highlight. Um, I don't have anything else. Let me start. Sug 20 <laughs> card. So this one is headlined by Mason Fowler taking on, I forget who's taking on. Take on Ryan Bader okay. uh, for the championship belt. Uh, it takes place November, December 30th. Um, one last one in for the year. Yep. Chael's going to get one more. It happens like week, like two weeks in a row. That's like, that's pretty. Yeah. Let's put done a couple of those this year. We're like really like boom boom cards. Um, most likely, I'm gonna pick Fowler in yeah, this one. Fowler. Fowler's been in this rule set. Fowler has been doing. He's figured. It. We talked about. It. He has the he has the formula. It's like look yeah. like not disengage, but like 
if he feels like there's a, you know, he does where he doesn't want to engage, he knows he is so strong on the arm. Yeah. He knows he is so strong in the back, and he knows how to get there in five minutes. He can, you know, play distance management. Or for Ishii, he engaged more, but I think he thought he had a, a technical yeah. advantage there. I think Bader, we're going to see something very similar. I think Bader's a really good pressure wrestler on yeah. the cage. I was say, Bader's aggressive, though, so he might not be able to play that game as easily as, mm-hmm. as otherwise, but I still think he, he's got the, that rule set down. He knows mm-hmm. what he's doing there. So Next one, we have Satoshi Ishii versus Craig Jones. Love seeing Craig Jones. We just saw Ishii versus Mason Fowler a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Fowler was able to get that via armbar and regulation. Um, I'm Honestly, I foresee Jones getting underneath Ishii and... Yeah, but it'll be interesting Breaking to see, though. I, I, I look forward to seeing how Jones approaches it. I think that Jones wins here, but I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how he approaches it because Ishii is such a brick, and he oh, is yeah. very difficult He's to like move. He's like a human brick. He's and, like a human you know, Judoka brick. Yeah, and you know, uh, Craig, Jones, <laughs> Craig Jones' uh, strategy is often getting underneath people with, with uh, sort of off-balancing mobility from the bottom. And yeah, This one takes place Wednesday, by the way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, they were trying to get it in. I'm on vacation, so I don't really care. Yeah. Um, I, may be, I may be out of town on Wednesday for reasons. But um, other matches we have are CB Dalloway versus Richie Martinez. Very kind of curious to see how that went. I haven't seen Dalloway compete in grappling in a bit here. Yeah. Um, I don't, I kind of don't know what to make of that one. I could see Richie uh, playing on an overtime win here. Richie tends to kind of favor that. Um, style of grappling. We also have Pearl Gonzalez versus Jillian Robertson. I think Jillian Roberts has the most submission wins of any female in the UFC in her division, I think, at strawweight. Interesting. Um, we have Hunter Colvin versus Gabriel Gonzaga. I uh, haven't seen Gonzaga in a bit here. He was on Saga Bunch prior. He's won a fight to win before. He's mm-hmm. Gabriel Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, we've seen Colvin a lot. I'm. I, this is a really funny match because I know Gonzaga is going to be probably pushing 240, 260, and Colvin is, I think... 85 or a light heavyweight oh, but that's not kind of what I, I thought maybe i was confused on colvin's weight no I, yeah colvin just fought rotolo yeah a yeah ago, okay, okay. Just, yeah that's that matt colvin Ooh. so um, that's a big size discrepancy, a big size but, difference and we haven't seen a ton from gonzaga when colvin's been super active so yeah. like i don't know how that one's gonna gabriel go. gonzaga still gabriel gonzaga and that's sort of my my thought but colvin is just younger yeah. active i think he's probably going to try to push a really heavy pace on he gonzaga would, and gonzaga's going to try to slow him down yeah. i could see it going to overtime and just colvin with so much experience there it wouldn't surprise me to see him get but gonzaga's got so much mma experience defending the back yeah. But he's yeah. usually not the guy with people on his back. So kind of an interesting matchup for that reason. Yeah. Um, some interesting matches on the undercard as well. Uh, you, we're we're going to talk about it all next week on the show. Zach, any sort of closing thoughts for the 2020 recap weirdness for, of the year? Looking forward to 2020 being over. Me too. So any plans for the week? Working. I'm on vacation. I'm, I'm, uh, 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 I'm loving it. Yeah. Um, my brother's in town, so hanging out with him, playing tons of video games, and just generally, you know, yeah. having a great time. I'm actually enjoying work because there's a lot of other people that aren't there, and so Dude, like it's the kind of thing where I can I just show up. That's why I never this week off, but Rachel has the week off. My brother's in town. Yeah. I'm like, all right, well, I have like too much vacation. I got to use a bunch of it so yeah. before it goes bad, which is weird. So I was like, Spoils. I'll take a week off. Basically, I'm like, yeah. you got to use it or you lose it. I'm like, I guess I'll take a week off. Oh, no. I'll use it. So that's this year, first time ever I'm taking a Christmas week off. So it's I'm, I'm pretty amped to just hang out. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that's it. Anything else? Nope. That's all I got. All right. As always in the show, I'm your host, Manger, the co-host. Zach. And we are the Grappling Rewind. We'll see you on the mats. Whenever that is. 2021. If you like the show, please consider sharing it on Facebook with the folks at your gym. It's the best way that we grow the show and we really appreciate it. You can reach out to us on email. We also have Instagram. We have Facebook. We have 
Twitter. We have Google+. Plus. Until that shuts down. We have a website. If you have an event you would like to have us cover, please let us know. If you have a name, like most people do, and you'd like to have us stop butchering it, let us know. Reach out to us. The show is also available on YouTube, Spotify, in addition to iTunes and every other podcast service. We very much appreciate your time, and thank you.